there, folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute, housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're making our way through the book of Genesis, Christianity in Genesis. Where is the church? Where is the person and work of Christ? Where is our life in him as we go through this Christian scripture of the book of Genesis? Chapter 4 is on the docket today. Cain and Abel, maybe a familiar narrative, but maybe not so much in terms of what has this to do with Christianity. We're going to jump right in and tackle some of this. This was actually a really big deal for Luther in his uh, lectures on Genesis. Martin Luther spent roughly the last 10 years of his life lecturing on this wonderful Old Testament book. He had quite a bit to say about Cain and Abel and its significance for the church of all times and places. I'll get into that a little bit more as as we move along. But first things first, let's jump into this narrative here. I'll just read the first few verses to get going, and we'll go from there. Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Oh my, as mentioned, probably a familiar narrative, Cain and Abel. So first things first, when Eve gives birth to Cain, she has something to say. She doesn't say anything when Abel is born. I'll talk more about that soon. But Cain is, well, named Cain. And she says this line, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. This is a very obscure line in the Hebrew. It's been translated in a few different ways ways. It's very terse. It's very, um, as as you look at it in the Hebrew, it's basically, I have gotten a man, and then direct object marker, the Lord. Now, what does that mean? I've gotten a man with the Lord. I mean, we, we usually translate with the help of the Lord. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. I've gotten a man by means of the Lord. I've gotten a man um, in conjunction with the work of the Lord. I've gotten a man. Now, in some translations, or in some, I mean, in one way of looking at it, and, and Luther did, uh, he said, I have gotten a man, comma, the Lord. As in, whoa, at the end of Genesis 3, we had the promise, I will send someone a blessed seed, an offspring who will crush the serpent's head. And Eve, with the first son she has, says, I've gotten the Lord. I've gotten a man of the Lord. I've gotten the one we're looking for. This is the promised one. In fact, Cain, the name Cain itself, Luther kind of makes a big deal of this, and I think it's rather insightful, and that is Cain is a, comes from a Hebrew, Hebrew verb, kana, which means I've gotten. So she names him, I've got him. 
I've gotten the one we're waiting for. I've gotten him. I've acquired him is what it means. And so she even says it. So not only does he have a special name, but she also speaks something after his birth. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, someone very, very special. And uh, what's verse 2? And again, she bore his brother Abel. Well, what's that all about? I mean, with Cain, it was, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord, or I've gotten... I've, I've, you know, I've gotten someone with the help of the Lord, and yet with Abel, it's just, oh yeah, she gave birth again. Abel also is a very uh, intriguing Hebrew word. It comes from this noun, haval, meaning um, mist or vapor or breath. It's the same word that's used in Ecclesiastes a lot. Hevel. Hevel Hevelim, vanity of vanities. It's just this mist or vapor. It's it's not graspable. It just slips right through the fingers, and there it goes. All of life is but a breath, the psalmist says. Just a kind of able, vanity. And so this is, and of course she didn't say anything with able too. So Cain is the firstborn. Cain is the one that is celebrated. I've gotten him. Abel is just kind of a, oh yeah, I gave birth to somebody else. Mist, vanity, vapor, breath, fleeting away. See you later, Abel. I guess we'll mention you, but that's that. Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Now, big difference here. This seems like, well, they're both working. Well, that's good. They both have jobs. Abel is a shepherd. He takes care of what has been entrusted to him. Cain is a worker. It's a different Hebrew verb. It's a different it's, it's a different action word there. Worker, someone who's digging in the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brings to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brings of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Very different here. Cain, so they both bring forward something to the Lord. That's going to be big here very soon. I'll get to it. And Cain... The difference here is that he brings something. You get the sense he brings what he worked for. Cain's the worker. He brings forward the fruit of the ground. He's been tilling the ground. He's been working the ground. He's bringing forth what comes from the ground. Here's what I worked for, Cain the worker. Abel brings what? The firstborn of his flock. Again, how much did you did you cause that sheep to be grown? Did you uh, What about the fertility of that sheep to give birth to a firstborn flock and so on? Uh, this is an animal also that's, I mean, that's a little, uh, if Cain's working with plants or whatever, this is an animal firstborn, uh, kind of significant firstborn offering and offering up the firstborn and of their fat portions. Later on, we'll learn a lot about how the Lord wants the fat portions. It's the best stuff. It's a special, delicate, um, precious, I mean, you set that aside. In the book of Leviticus, the fat portions are reserved for the Lord. That's something special that only goes to the Lord. And this is, you get the sense that, again, with all of the the mention of uh, firstborn of the flock and the fat portions, a lot of the book of Leviticus is kind of covered here. This is like a sacrificial, a priestly offering, you might say. Very different than Cain's offering. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offspring, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard you get the sense that there's some sort they're both going they're both trying to give something to the lord they're both trying to do something and 
for Luther, this was absolutely huge. Again, remember what their names mean. Cain's the favorite one. Cain's the hard worker. He has the status. The world loves him. He brings what his own hands have worked for. Abel, though, is a shepherd. He doesn't have the status or popularity. Eve says nothing when he's born. His own life is just kind of there and, and passing away like, like a breath, the psalmist says. He brings forward simply not what he earns, but what he's entrusted with. And for Luther, he says, you know what? This is absolutely huge for the church of all times and places. What we have in Cain and Abel, from here on out, after the Garden of Eden, after the promised seed who is to come, we will, from here on out, forever and ever, amen, have two different churches from here into the end of the world. Luther says, here the church begins to be divided into two churches. We have one church who is all the status, has the name and the popularity, but really it's hypocritical and it's bloodthirsty. The other one has no influence, it's forsaken, and it has a bunch of suffering in the cross. And before the world, it's basically nothing. Empty pews, struggling finances, schisms, harassed and helpless, like sheep led to the slaughter. And yet Christ, Luther says, calls Abel righteous and makes him the beginning of the church of the godly, which will continue to the end. At the same time, Cain is the beginning of the church of the wicked until the end of the world. There really aren't any atheists. This is the thing about it. From here on out, for the rest of the world, in light of what has happened, both the fall into sin and also the promised Savior, the world will always have two churches, a church of Abel and a church of Cain. The church of Cain is one of works righteousness. We will earn our way to God somehow. Even if you try to... Uh, find a different savior, if you try to make yourself the savior, even if you deny God's existence and trust only in yourself and so on, there is some sort of works righteousness at play. Some of the uh, later dogmaticians, the people who deal with what the church believes, teaches, and confesses would say there's really only two religions. Google it right now, you'll probably find a thousand religions or more or whatever it is, but really there's only two religions. There's a religion of the law and the religion of the gospel. There are only two religions. There are only two churches. There are only two ways, the way of life, the way of death, the way of the righteous, the way of the, the wicked. There's only two, no third one, no neutral one, only two. The church of Cain that works somehow, depending on the self or works righteousness to get in good terms, good grace, good status before God. And there's the church of Abel, which lives by faith which confesses simply as gifts received what the Lord has given to it. We give thee but thy own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, the author to the Hebrews writes, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This, for Luther, was absolutely huge. 
And this is so the, the, the big deal here about Christianity and Genesis and so on is that this narrative, there are going to be many others like this, and I'll bring those up in due course, but this narrative of Cain and Abel is definitional for the church, the Christian church of all times and places. We will always be the church of Abel, small and uh, without influence, as Luther says, forsaken in the eyes of the world, not too much, and yet a special treasure, prized possession uh, in the eyes of the Lord. Meanwhile, the church of Cain is everywhere around us, trying to earn favor before God in some ways, and totally upset when it doesn't work. Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, this is kind of interesting. He speaks to Cain first, and it's another question. The Lord begins all of his speaking with uh, people in the Bible with questions. Where are you? What is this have you done? Have you eaten? Now, the questions elicit a confession. You could just squash them in the Garden of Eden, but he asked questions to... Um, how do you know this from the Ten Commandments? These I have not kept. <laughs> you know, Christian questions and their answers. He asked questions to elicit a confession. Why are you angry, Cain, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Which Luther take, took to mean doing well as in the stuff that proceeds from faith. Why are you so angry? Why did you think you would earn your way to salvation, why do you think you could be on good terms with me with what you are doing in your life? Why did you think that you could earn that yourself? If you do not do well, as if you do not believe in me, if you do not have the faith that Abel had, sin is crouching at the door. It will totally get you. Its desire is for you. It will bite you. It will be like the serpent, you might say, that stings you. Um, but you must rule over it. That rule word is very, um, what, evocative of the previous chapter. Um, the rule that will be in place, uh, he shall rule over you, this husband-wife thing, this kind of what rules over what. And here for Cain, uh, it is a rule over sin by the righteousness we have in faith. Why are you so distraught? when your works righteousness don't work out for you? Do you not know that faith in the one to come from the line of Eve is your righteousness? Again, the author of Hebrews saying, through which he was commended, that is able as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. The way of the world is to try to earn righteousness before God by being good people, by giving money away and doing nice things for neighbors and so on. Why, God asks, why are you so angry? Why are you so distraught when you know that salvation cannot be earned this way? You will not be able to do it. Lots more to say here, but we will uh, take a quick break and then carry on with the, uh, with the murder of Abel and then uh, the rest of Chapter 4 here in a moment. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. 
We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcast, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast. Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Again, for Luther, the significance of this. This is, I mean, the fir- this is the first uh, post-lapsarian, to use a fancy word, meaning after the fall, narrative in the Bible. And I, and I think Luther was all over that. I think he was, you know, this is big. We just, like, what's the first thing after the Garden of Eden? Absolutely monumental. Well, it just so happens that that first thing is Eve has two brothers. Eve has two sons. They're brothers. And these two brothers, we have a very, they're both acting quite priestly. They're both offering up something to the Lord. They're both acknowledging the Lord certainly not only exists, but we must do something for him. We must offer up something for him. And there's a very different uh, way of approaching that Lord's offering between the two. What else can we say? Then we have a picture of, again, of these two churches. Church of Abel, though. And this was also, I don't know, this was big for persecution, too, when Luther saw this narrative. So we're going to get into the rest of this here. Cain speaks to Abel and his brother. Speaks to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, that's an interesting line, isn't it? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. There is some usage of words here from the false church to the true. There is this, I don't know, a kind of luring or a kind of um, persecution by means of word. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. Um, Is there an enticing away? Is there a kind of temptation? Hey, come, come a little closer to the way that we do church. Cain speaks to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. For Luther, this is totally, ultimately what the church of Cain cannot stand is the favored status of the church of Abel that comes freely by grace through faith. It drives him nuts. We should work for it. Our sinful flesh works this way in all of life. We should earn it. You go to the job and you get the paycheck. It's just how life is. It's ingrained in our, you know, every fiber of our being. This is just how it should go. The church of Cain can't stand that. It's jealous. It's ultimately hatred of God. What's the closest representative to God on the planet? It's Abel. I can't quite kill off God, but I can sure take a shot at his closest representatives on this planet, and that is the church. The high priest, Abel, pastors, Christians, the ones that represent 
Christians, moms and dads, right? Representatives of our Heavenly Father and so on. The special positions or representatives of God on earth, the Church of Cain persecutes. For Luther, this was actually part of the sting of the serpent. Uh, He will bruise your heel. He will crush your head. The serpent will bruise your heel. The serpent will take a shot, take a hit. It will sting, bruise your heel. Um, This, for Luther, is part of that uh, enmity of the serpent. It's going to sting. Part of the enmity of the serpent against the seed is what the serpent can do through the church of Cain against the church of Abel. And yet the church of Abel remains confident that the serpent has been crushed by the very seed whose blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, as the author of Hebrews also says, chapter 12. Okay, so Cain rises up, kills him. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? As in, where is a martyr where is by the way your brother where is he uh what happens now is this it and at the same time by the way what was your role in that i do not know am i my brother's keeper the church of cain says ignorance is bliss The church of Cain doesn't know. It hasn't been given eyes to see and ears to hear. It confesses that there's no sort of, we just don't know what you should know for sure, and that is, Abel is with me. Blessed are those who die in the Lord, for now they rest from their labors. Again, Cain working very hard, works righteousness. Abel now rests from his labors. He's with me. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, who's the keeper? The Lord is my the keeper at your right hand. It's just such a load. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord is Abel's keeper. And you should know that, Cain. Of course you're not. Am I my brother's keeper? Not in the sense that the Lord is he who keeps me, guides and leads me, and so on. And the Lord said, what have you done? Again, a question to elicit this confession. What have you done? This is so persistent. Our Lord could just leave him alone. This was your chance. He left him alone. No, he keeps asking. He keeps the conversation. The Lord continues to speak to this heretical church. What have you done? Constantly sending messages to this heretical side, this church of Cain messengers uh, to elicit this confession by means of his word. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. He lives on. And from the very ground that you are working or have been working and will be working, your brother's, from which that is the ground from which your brother's blood is crying out. The very ground from which I formed humanity breathed into the nostrils, breath of life. The very ground to which you will return as well 
is, uh, although a symbol of mortality, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, ground to ground, is uh, with me also alive. His blood cries out. He lives on, and it's because of the one who took on our mortality, our dust to dust, our ground, and has a blood, offered up a blood that speaks a much better word than the blood of Abel. And now you are cursed from the ground. This is a, it's kind of a, an extension you could hear of, of the curse to Adam. All of the ground is cursed. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has, so you see what happened. The two churches, one of them is, uh, although it feels the effects and consequences of sin, the church of Abel, it's the church of Cain that has the full force of that curse, as in you're refusing the Savior from that very curse. Cain, now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it'll no longer yield to its strength. This all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It's like that curse on Eden is like revisited. It's a kind of crucifying again of the Son of Man, you might say, in, in a way of speaking. It's like a, you know, let's revisit that Eden thing again. Only I don't, I mean, this is like, this is a scary side of things. I want to revisit Eden in the sense of here's this promised seed to come. This is a revisiting of Eden as a, you'll be a fugitive and a wonder on the earth. You won't be able to, to bear this. This is the full cor- the full curse that we just heard. Only there's no like, well, I, you know, just I've got this promised seed. This is like, you're, you're going your own way here, church of Cain. And so he says, thankfully, he admits this. My punishment is greater than I can bear. That's exactly right. Not one person of that church of Cain will be able to bear this guilt and punishment. Because you've driven away uh, me today from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wonder on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. I am donezo. The Lord said to him, now this is total grace and mercy. It It says something so wonderfully comforting to the church of Cain of all times and places. And that is, he still has a special mark that is available to Cain. Not so, if anyone kills him, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. The Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain also awaits re-entry into Eden, and just leaves it there. And for Luther, this was big because this is the Lord having mercy on the church of Cain of all times and places. There's a mark there. There's, uh, it's not a guarantee. For example, everybody born of Cain is done for. This, from here on out, starts, kind of opens up the avenue whereby the church of Cain will be preserved in wonderful ways, And uh, the possibility of salvation is still open to this church, as in those who turn from that church's way, the one of earning God's favor, and go to the true mark of the Holy Cross, which is that blessed seed to come. So there's a mark that's put on Cain that reminds him of this situation, that there's a much greater mark by we, I don't know, you think of like Scarlet Letter and some of these, you know, the mark that reminds you of a much greater mark. Turn from what you have constructed for yourself. 
earning your favor before God and turn to the mark of faith, the mark that is sealed with the the blood of the one who is to come from the seed of Eve. Uh, Cain knew his wife. And so the rest of this, I should probably just kind of, we're getting close on time. It's kind of odd. We get this, Cain knows his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. He built a city. And we get this kind of genealogy. And again, anytime you see this sort of like he has two wives and one is this and one is that, for Luther, you got to watch where we see two different churches forming or the continuation of the Church of Cain and Church of Abel. So when you see, for example, um, Jabal was the first to dwell in tents and have livestock. For Luther, tent-dwelling people think the tabernacle was basically a tent and the livestock think, think of Abel again. These are the peeps who live by faith, the ones who are constantly in the tent of the Lord. And Luther sees in this, as much as it sounds like just a weird genealogy, Christianity in this is the one that, this is the true faith. This is what it looks like. Remain in the dwelling place, the tent of the Lord, the flock, as it were, that's taking care of the, the livestock, even if they're like sheep led to the slaughter. And the other, that is that is cursed. There's always So you're going to see this also. Lamech um, has this curse. Um, and anytime Luther sees this curse, it's kind of an extension of that church of Cain. And maybe I'll just end with this. At the end of chapter 4, Adam knows his wife, and she's going to bear Seth. And she now speaks. Notice she spoke. She didn't speak with Abel, but now she does speak. God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And uh, Seth actually means his name is Set, like it's appointed. This is the one through whom that true church continues, that church of Abel. He has a son named Enosh, and at that time people begin to call on the name of the Lord. That's the church of Abel going on. That's the Christianity of all times and places, even in this Genesis chapter 4 world. We're going to say more about that as we go along, but we're just at time. So, boy, rich narrative, Cain and Abel. Again, the two churches there, Church of Abel, Church of Cain, and how that reality continues in all times and places. Very big here, Christianity and Genesis. More to come uh, next time when we tackle chapter 4. Five. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.